Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. We are uh, kicking off a, a short little series leading up to Easter called A Better Way. Uh, we just finished um, a series titled Christians Behaving Badly, and it was from the chapters 5 through 9 of 1 Corinthians. This is also a, a series in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, and it's, it's all about uh, spiritual gifts, how gifts work in a body. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, there'll be one on the big Bible in the sky behind me. You can look over my shoulder and follow along. In verse 1, it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, just a little teaching point. There are four different Greek words that get used for gift in this passage, and they all have slightly different meaning. Um, one is just means is diakona, just means service. Another one means, one of talks about energy, how God energizes us. It means makes it work. Uh, there's um, charismata, charisma. It's where we get the word charismatic, which just means gift or grace. Uh, by the way, uh, if you're, we are a charismatic. This may be, for some of you, this may be the first charismatic church that you've ever been a part of, and maybe you didn't know that, and some of you are like, shoot, charismatic, I'll show you charismatic. And uh, you don't think we're all that charismatic, but we are charismatic, and, and we hope to make this make sense. And, and actually, that's where he, uh, this other fourth word, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, and this word just means spirituals. He's like, now for the spiritual stuff. Like, you know, I've been answering, he's been answering all these questions, these complex questions about you know, Christian liberty and, and marriage and divorce and singleness and sex and, and church discipline and all these, you know, and, and um, celebrity-ism was the first few chapters that we didn't take a look at. But now he's like, now I want to talk about this spiritual stuff. And he says, I do not want you to be uninformed. And we don't want you to be uninformed. There's a lot of really good things that can happen through the use of spiritual Gifts, but like anything, there can be misunderstanding that lead to confusion, in some cases, hurt. Um, there are a lot of issues that I think cause people to um, unnecessarily get tangled up, and this is one of them. That in the church, I know if you're if you're new to us and you're like you know you know you're new to Jesus and you're like man, I don't even know what you're talking about yet. It'll make sense soon. But for those who are in the church, like this becomes a big dividing point and people are confused and we tend to, um, we tend to separate. We tend to go to our little camps, our little corners. Uh, but man, we hope, to, we hope that none of us remain uninformed about gifts. Spiritual gifts, though, they need to be, we're going to find in this series, they need to be eagerly pursued. They need to be wisely administered and they need to be motivated by love, and that's really what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. So in verse 2, he continues, you know that when you were pagans, pagans just means not when you weren't a Christian, you were led astray to mute idols. Paul's saying that you used to serve gods that didn't speak back to you, but now you're, now you're serving the creator God of the universe. So don't be surprised when he speaks to you. It shouldn't be an, an unfamiliar thing. In verse 3, he says, therefore, I, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. Now here, Paul is addressing serious 
errors on both sides of the issue. And this is where there's going to be a, a lot of division. Some of you were raised in church where, um, you know, speaking in tongues, etc., was, you know, of the devil. And, but Paul here says that's impossible. How could someone speak by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? How could they ever say anything against Jesus? And so, uh, so if you, you're, you're one of those, you know, you start to twitch when you see someone come forward or like someone starts to speak in, in a language that you don't know about. Paul's saying, hey, look, you can relax. It's coming from Jesus. It's all good. It's all coming from one source. But on the other side of the aisle, there's some people who would say, well, unless you speak in tongues or unless you use these specific gifts, then you're not really uh, a Christian. But Paul says, how can anyone ever say that Jesus is Lord except through the Holy Spirit? He says, Jesus says the same thing. So Paul's like, look, I know you're trying to point the finger at each other, but it's all coming from God. It's all coming from the Holy Spirit. And there are some of us who really want to be in control. Like we think life is about being in control. We don't want anything that we don't expect. And there are some of us who really like it when things are out of control and things are crazy and weird and mystical. But life is not found in being in control. Life is not found... Um, um, and being out of control, but life and hope and, and meaning and purpose is found in being under control of the Holy Spirit. And that is what Paul is saying. Like it's all coming from the same source. So there shouldn't be divisions and factions among you. And then in, your, in the next few verses, he's going to mention a word three times, varieties, and he's going to mention another word three times, same, and, and those words are incredibly important. So this is what he says. He says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Variety, same. Variety, same. Diverse, one source. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God. There is unity in the midst of diversity. Paul will make this point even more clear when he gives the analogy of the body in the second half of this chapter, if we can get there. Um, but this gift was emphasizing uh, one gift over another. This church was emphasizing one gift over another. They were saying, well, I like the gift of teaching, but I don't like the gift of tongues. Or I like the gift of tongues, but I don't like administration and order. And so they were preferring these different gifts. And Paul is saying we should value all of these gifts because they all have the same giver. So like there are some people who like, man, I really love the gift of mercy. And I think the church should all be about, you know, serving people and expressing mercy. And when people are not merciful, like they're merciful, they get irritated and they get upset that people are not merciful like them. And then there are some people who are super administrative. And man, when things aren't in order, they get super bent out of shape because things are in order. And there are some people who like to teach, and when things are being taught right and things are being said right, then, man, they get bent out of shape. And the reality of Paul's like, look, there's a variety of ways that this works itself out, but it all, all of these gifts have in mind the same order. This idea of unity in the midst of diversity is, is a broader theme in the, in the New Testament. Now, Paul's talking about gifts, but this is such a key, key point of New Testament living that we have one Father, that we have one, there is one God, there, there is one God, but there is, there's many of us, and it expresses itself in many different ways. Gifts, different gifts, different ethnicities, different ages, different ideas, different perspectives, different backgrounds. And here's the, here's the beauty of it. The more different that we are, 
The more different that we are, the more, not less, the more we are relying on God and not ourselves, which is why this is both better and more challenging. This is why the teaching on spiritual gifts is so challenging for us is because it it requires us to value unity in the context of diversity because we really like ourselves and we really like the way that we are and we don't understand why more people are not like us. Here's a filter. Um, anytime you're, you're, you're trying to understand the Bible, anytime you're hearing a message, anytime you're just generally trying to follow Jesus, a good question to ask yourself, it's a hard question and it takes real honesty, is am I looking to be affirmed or am I looking to be led? Man, I really like Jubilee because fill in the blank. If, in other words, that really affirms me. It really affirms the way I think. I really like this part of the Bible because it affirms the way that I think. I like this brand of Christianity because it, it affirms the way that I think. And I need to be affirmed. You do need to be affirmed. That's why you need to be in community, by the way. But Jesus is trying to lead you somewhere. And my guess is, well, it's more than a guess. The truth is, it's a place that you probably don't want to go. Because it ends with a cross. But he's leading us somewhere. He's challenging us. And he's saying, there's things that you don't even know that you need. And things that you probably would rather just get rid of. So like yesterday, thank goodness it feels better, but I dropped a sheet of drywall on my foot. I thought I broke it. And it was, my foot yesterday was so worthless to me. In fact, all it did was cause me a lot of pain. And I, you know, you have the thought of like, if I didn't know any better, I would thought like I would be better without my foot because all it does is hurt me. Uh, now the truth is it, it healed and it's, and I need that foot. I'm glad I kept it. Anyway, and, uh, but we have the same thing. We have this reactionary thing like, oh, this thing over here is causing me pain. This thing that actually causes you pain is something that you're going to vitally need in the future because God is at work. He's using all, he says this, he says, but God, the same God who empowers them all, say all, all. in everyone. Well, you didn't have to say that, sorry. <laughs> but hey, well done. Well, give you guys a round of applause. Well done. One spirit, but multiple gifts among multiple people. What Paul's essentially saying is that the church functions and makes progress through the empowerment of the Spirit. He empowers us with at least one manifestation or demonstration of his Spirit. It is a supernatural ability to do ministry like Jesus, and we all get one. If you read through the Gospels, particularly uh, the Gospel of Luke. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The third one, Luke, he was a physician, and he wrote to his friend Theopolis, who was a skeptic, and he wrote this. He took an orderly account. He also wrote Acts, which will become important here in a second, 
But anyway, so he records, and one of the things I think Luke in particular wants us to know is that Jesus did all of his ministry through the power of the Spirit. The Bible says that Jesus came to us, that he was fully God, but he did not access his divinity, but lived fully human under the power of the Holy Spirit. And so you might know at his baptism, we don't know much about the first 30 years, but at approximately when he's 30 years old, when he got baptized, before that, he didn't do any ministry. Before healing anyone, before praying anyone, for teaching anyone, performing any kind of miracles, the Holy Spirit descended upon him and empowered him to do ministry. How did Jesus heal? He healed through the power of the Spirit. How did he teach? He te- taught through the power of the Holy Spirit. How did he pray? He prayed through the power of the Holy Spirit. How did he overcome temptation? He overcame temptation through the power of the Holy Spirit. How did he discern through the power of the Holy Spirit? And the same thing happened just as Jesus was, was at, had this moment of baptism where the Spirit fell upon him and he was empowered for ministry. When you read uh, Luke's second volume to his friend, Theopolis, in, in Acts, we see that the Holy Spirit fell upon the church and empowered her to do ministry. In fact, Jesus says you need to wait for this empowerment. We do, in, we, we do our work, we do our ministry through the power of the Holy Spirit. If, if all we do or all that you do is what you can do and never understanding and, and realizing it's coming through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're, we're really missing out on what God would have us to do. And that's actually how we continue the work of Jesus. In the beginning of Acts 1, again, the second volume to Luke, Luke writes to Theopolis, he says, in my first book, I wrote to you, listen to this, all that Jesus began to do and teach. In other words, now I'm going to tell you through the story of the church how Jesus continues to do ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit through his hands and his feet called the church. You've heard that term, the hands and feet. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the body of of Christ. He is the head. He's the brain. He's the one in charge. And he, he doesn't just, when he wants, his, when he wants to uh, heal someone, when he wants to help someone, when he wants to encourage someone, when he wants to minister to someone, he doesn't just zap us with his power. He, he, he signals to a part of the body to go minister to another part of the body. And that's how the church functions. We continue the ministry of Jesus. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. So when I'm, if I get, Hungry, right? This is, by the way, this is a super simple message. It's hard to absorb, but it's, it's not, sorry if it's boring. But the, if I get hungry, um, my brain will tell my body to get up. And I don't even know how, what muscles are involved in getting up, but there's quite a few, I'm sure. And then my feet walk to the kitchen. My hands and arm and everything else, the eyes are involved and maybe ears sometimes. I open up the, I, and I grab something um, to eat and then I put it in my mouth. And there's all these different things that are going on because my brain says to eat something. And then when I eat it, it's not just that my mouth that benefits. My whole body benefits from it. And my whole body was involved. A sandwich did not just appear. I didn't just automatically not feel hungry anymore. Which means when God wants to do something, 
to one part of the body. He is going to tap another part of the body, i.e. each and every one of us, to go minister to the other part of the body. And a lot of times it takes a lot of our body parts all at once to function together. In other words, in fact, let me show you this next verse. Uh, verse seven, we show that. To each, that's how, again, you're gonna see the word all, everyone, and each a lot. To each is given a manifestation of the spirit. What's that? For the common good. We have, there's a good that's, that's common to all of us. And so, so in, in that illustration, it means that there's sometimes there are people only you can serve. There's some people only you can love. There's some people that you are meant to minister to. And God taps each part of the body, not just a few people, not just the people that you can see. He taps people on the shoulder to minister to each other in dozens, if not a hundred different ways. So that's true for you to be on the giving end. Excuse me. Yeah, that's true for you to be on the giving end. So there's sometimes the common good doesn't happen because you're not using the gift that you've been given to each one. But here's the other thing. You, there, there are ways that you need to be ministered to. And sometimes, at least in my experience, there's sometimes I get ministered to when I didn't even realize I needed to be ministered to. If I'm not putting myself in a place, if I'm not putting myself in a position, then I am missing out. Like even if what you're hearing right now was the best sermon in the world, and let's just cut through the suspense, it's not the best sermon in the world. (laughs) But even if it was, you would be getting maybe 1% of the ministry you're meant to experience. Hopefully, when, when, you, when I'm teaching or anyone else is teaching, that you see Jesus and what's happening. But sometimes, let me just be real honest, especially when I drop something on my foot, sometimes you're going to have to look around me to someone else to experience Jesus. And it's not about me or it's not about one other person or a few different people. It is about some of the ways that you're going to experience Jesus in a, in a setting, not just in this setting, but in the lobby. And let's not over-spiritualize what happens here. And let's not under-spiritualize what happens in the lobby or in other places, coffee shops, homes, the world. Let's not under-spiritualize that. that what, the, the Jesus that want, God wants you to see is through an act of service or through a word of encouragement or through prophecy or a word of something else. Service. So we all, we all need it. In fact, Jesus says through this empowerment that we would do even greater works than him. Not that any one individual would do. I mean, I've never walked across the Mississippi River. I've never grabbed this Jimmy John sandwich and fed 5,000 people. I've never raised anyone from the dead. He's not saying that any one individual would be greater than Jesus, but what he's saying is that the millions of people in the world empowered by the Spirit would feed more than 5,000 people. That, that, that billions of people empowered by the Spirit would heal more, teach more, minister more, that collectively by the power of the Holy Spirit, that his church, she would do even greater works than what Jesus did when he walked this earth. And we continue that ministry if we're operating under the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's for the common good, which means, which means, which means, which means that gifts are for service, 
and not for status. Many of the problems that the Corinthians had is they felt proud about their spiritual gifts. Like I got tongues, I've got, I've got, I've got prophecy. What do you, oh, you only have the gift of administration. That's lame. I mean, that's, you know, I feel sorry for you. And, and uh, you know, I'll pray for you. You know, you're kind of a depressed, you know, you're kind of a loser gift. And, and uh, luckily I have the gift of faith too. And so I'll, I'll pray for you too. Like you're some kind of, you know, Christian Marvel superhero, you know, prophecy man or whatever. Paul just shakes his head and just like, what is there to be proud of with a spiritual gift? What is there to be proud of? It's not your power. It's God's. The boxing glove does not boast in its power to punch. The hand has the power. It's not my ability. It's not your ability. God, we're just a glove that God wears to, you know, pack the punch and to, to minister the gift is not, to is not for us to feel proud. You know, it's, it's, it actually, it means, this word means spiritual graces. The word gifts, charis, uh, charisma, spiritual grace. It's grace to us. It's God who empowers. That's why, you know, I don't have a, a parking spot. I have an orange cone. Don't park on the orange cones just for practical reasons. But that's why I don't have a... There's nothing special about it. I, don't, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be treated better because of my gift. You shouldn't be treated better because of your gift, and you shouldn't be treated worse because of your gift. Because God who empowers. And if we're going to boast in something, we need to boast in the gospel. Actually, when we boast in our spiritual gifts and we boast in a spiritual gift over another, it, it, it communicates. We actually don't even understand what the gospel says. That's why he says in verse 13, for in one spirit, all were baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, just basically meaning everyone. Anytime you see Jews and Greeks, it's just talking about everyone, all the diversity made up. We're all made to drink of one spirit. The spirit and his gifts were not given to us as reward for our awesomeness. They're gifts. They're, they're due to us because of his grace. And if we're going to, um, if we're going to boast in something, we need to boast in the fact that we are children of God, that we have been saved and forgiven. I mean, that's what happened to the disciples. Man, they were experiencing the power of God and it is a thrill ride, which is another reason why, man, like spiritual, using spiritual gifts is, you find your purpose in it, and you, but we, don't find, we find purpose, we don't find identity. But they were finding identity. They're like, man, I cast out a demon with my eyes. Like, a lot of good things are happening. And Jesus says to him, them in Luke 10, hey, boys, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Which is why when we talk about the, the in, in, not next week, but the week after, about how this works out in a context, there needs to be order. Because one of the things that the Corinthian church were doing is like, you know, spiritual gifts are like special effects in the church and they were getting all excited about it. And they're like, hey, look, there are lost people amongst you that are looking at this and being like, you guys are nuts and out of your mind and you're not saying one intelligible word and people are coming to your services lost and they're leaving lost. Names being written in the book of heaven is something that we need to value Above all else, they're gifts meant to facilitate the ministry of God, the empowerment of God. Nothing more and nothing less. If you want God to work in your life, you've got to be a part of the church. And not just, when I say a part of the church, I don't just mean showing up. 
on a Sunday. I mean in community. I mean serving. I mean being connected to other people. The more you connect to his church, the more you will experience his power because that's how God has decided to work. He decided to work through people. You have something other people need. Other people have something that you need. I need you. You need me. We all need we. We need each other. That's how we get built up. That's how we are encouraged. And then in verses 8 through 11, he mentions uh, different ways that it happens. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about this practically in week three. For, for to one is given through the spirit of utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by one spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishment between spirits, gift of discernment, other various kinds of tongues, more than one kind of tongue, I guess, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. The, all of these, all of these, all of these, all of these, all of these are empowered by one. All of these. Man, God, may we, may we value all of these. May we value all of these because it sheds light on you, Jesus. The same spirit who apportions to each one. I told you, it's going to say all, everyone, each, a lot. And it, here it does again. Portions to each one. That means every single person in this room who is a Christian has at least one, probably more than one, manifestation of his gift that you tend to operate in on a regular basis, and sometimes it can happen on a temporary basis, so you shouldn't discount any one of these gifts. You shouldn't say, well, I don't have the gift of prophecy, so I'd never prophesy. False. Uh, God can come upon you. He, he, he apportions to each one individually as he wills. It's all about him. God is in charge, and that's the beauty of the diversity of gifts at play in a church, is who does it point to? If we all just value teaching, you know, points to me. If we all value worship, it points to them. If we value something else, it points to whoever. But if we all value all of them, it points to who? It points to God. It points to Jesus. And that's the point. That's the point. The more that we value these things, the more that we use these things, the more that we experience these things, the more he gets lifted up. It becomes less about what we do and more about what he does. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. In other words, just because you don't feel like you're a part does not mean that you're not important. And he's going to repeat it. He's going to say the same thing. Then he goes, if, if, if the whole body were one eye, if we're just all, you know, where would the sense of hearing be? The whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But here it is, but as it is, God arranged. That word means assignment. God has an assignment for you. Which means that there should be accountability. There is accountability. I think mainly this is just like a massive privilege. I mean, how cool is it that God's power would work through any one of us? That is amazing. It is a promise is a promise of God that he wants to work through each. That's a privilege. But I have to say this because I am 
someone who cares about your maturity, and I care about that day that you stand before God. There is accountability. He gives some five, he gives some two, he gives some one. Yes, we each have a different, we have different gifts and we have a different capacity of those gifts. And whatever capacity you have and whatever gift you have, there's accountability because it comes from him. He apportions. Well, if you think, well, my gift isn't very big and it's not very important, it doesn't mean that you're less accountable to the one he gives a greater gift to, or a greater capacity of gift, I should say. It's, there's accountability to this. It's another reason why it's important. And humility, God arranged, he gives us an assignment. See, the body of Christ is a team, but it's not like a basketball team or a football team where some are on the field and some are on the bench watching. It's more like a rowing team where everybody has their hand on an oar, rowing together, listening to the called out instructions from the head of the church, Jesus. And then he goes in verse 23, and, and, and those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we, just, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed a body, giving greater honor to the part it lacked. There are parts of my body, like my liver, my heart, that you cannot see. But man, are they vital. They're vital. They're, they're the parts that you see in the church don't require as much honor, but there are people there are people so right now there are people serving there's people serving in J Kids. No one sees them. No one even knows what's going on in there. playing a vital role. I mean, if, if I didn't show up one Sunday, you guys would be just fine. If the J-Kids teachers didn't show up, God have mercy on our souls. <laughs> there is a part of the body that we don't know what quite what it does. But if it gets irritated, oh man, it creates a fuss. It's called an appendix. There are people in the church that we don't quite know what they do. But they have an opinion. And when they get irritated, they fuss and they cuss. And to be honest with you, when they get, it gets removed, the body is just fine. I think God, I don't know why God gave us an appendix, but maybe for this analogy. <laughs> don't be an appendix. <laughs> don't be the body part that no one knows what you do, except when you get irritated. Um, in the 1940s, Dr. Alfred Blaylock, which you may not know, except you may have benefited from him, or maybe you know someone who's been, have you ever had bypass surgery or know someone who had bypass surgery? He developed those techniques in the 40s. 
And he was given all kinds of prizes, but yet by his own admission, none of this work would have been possible had not been for a man who worked with him in the hospital, who did not work as a surgeon, who did not even work as a doctor or any kind of medical personnel. He was a janitor. But this, this doctor noticed that this janitor named Vivian Thomas uh, had an incredible knack for mechanical engineering. He could fix anything, like MacGyver. And uh, he eventually, through his ingenuity and skill, he hired him not to be a janitor, but to run his lab. And he, this uh, Vivian Thomas, he began to suggest new surgical techniques and then develop new tools to implement these te techniques. And eventually wasn't just developing new techniques and creating new tools, but he ended up training hundreds of surgeons on these techniques. But any time that bypass surgery is mentioned, only Blaylock gets the credit, not Vivian Thomas for all of his works behind the scenes. And that should not be this way in the church, where the visible areas get esteemed, but the, the, the parts that aren't seen don't. Because the reality is, uh, man, there's so many parts at work, and we need every single one. You know, you, you, can, you can lose a toe and get walk, but you'll walk with a limp. But we don't want to walk with a limp. We... And we, we, want, we want to be built up for the common good. We want to experience all that God has for us. And here's the thing. I want you to experience all that God has for you. You have something that someone else needs. And someone else has something that you need. And we need to value these things. And so here's what I want to do. I want us to stand. The band can come up. I just want to pray. I want to pray that for a minute and just pray that God's Spirit would empower us. How do you know what your gift is? Well, I have a little chart here um, that's helped me. It's where you have ability, what you're good at, where you have affinity, what you're passionate about, and where you have affirmation, where people say, hey, when you do that, things really go well which is, again, you need to be around other people in order to really know what your gift is. Um, if you're new to us, we have something called Growth Track that will orientate you. Uh, we're really passionate about helping people discover their purpose. We have community group serving teams that will position you, so you need to be, go to Growth Track to orientate you. They'll just kind of point you in the right direction. Community groups and serving teams will position you. That will put you in a place to be able to discover what your gifts are and But using them is what's going to develop you. We, we, it's not enough to know what they are. They have to be used. If they're not used, they're worthless. So I'm just going to pray for us. I'm going to pray that God's Spirit, it's not a spooky thing to do. It's just pray God's Spirit would, would come upon us and energize us, empower us. Maybe even now God would speak to you. Maybe even now God would give you a word of wisdom, a word of encouragement maybe a prophetic word, or maybe just a thought. I need to go encourage that person. I need to go love that person. I need to get involved. I've been thinking about this, serving in this way. I've just not done it. I just want to pray God's Spirit will come upon you, and God's Spirit will make that clear what you ought to do. And we're here to help each other. We're here to help each other. Jesus, we're, with eyes on you, with eyes on you, we pray for your Holy Spirit to come upon us, to fill our minds, to fill our bodies again and again. 
God, we, it is a supernatural work that anyone would say Jesus is Lord. We've all heard your voice at least once. We've all experienced your power at least once. God, I pray that we would live lives that continually are filled with your spirit. We're continually hearing your voice. And we are continually being a conduit of your power. And I just pray right now, would you come in this place? Would you fall upon each and every one of us? Show us what we should say. Show us what we should do. There are things that you want some of us to do, and there's things that you want some of us to say. But all of these things are for the common good. They glorify you, they point to our purpose, and they help other people. Next week, we're gonna learn about love is how we're motivated to use these gifts. God, we pray for love. Just, we just wanna say we're sorry for our fear, for our apathy, and our lack of love by not using the gift that you've given us. Thank you for your grace. This is all about you. It's not about us. Just pray you continue to fall upon us as we look to you.